Hello, Steph. Hey, how's it going? All right, there's a huge lag here because I'm on satellite internet. Is that right? All right. Well, no biggie. No biggie. I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll survive. Well, thanks. Uh, if I could just uh, pester you for a little bit more time, I'd appreciate it. I, um, at the end of our chat that we had uh, yesterday, I felt good, but I also felt dissatisfied with my end, not anything to do with your end. So I sat down and again, and I sort of realized what was missing for me, and that I owe you an apology, which was that you sort of clearly said what it is that was missing for you in your life, and you didn't say to me, hey, Steph, you know what's missing for me is a lot of really complicated theories about why I am the way I am, but uh, you did say that what was missing for you was sort of emotional uh, depth or the emotional resonance that you felt you were capable of, but that you were missing, and so I think it was good that, that we had to chat about the theory but I think I totally missed the boat and the ball in terms of asking you questions about the stuff that was most pressing for you, which was the emotional depth stuff rather than the psychological theory stuff. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I guess that makes some sense. I mean, I still found it very productive. And um, actually, I was just in the middle of responding to the email you had sent me um, where I basically... Uh, come to the same conclusions on my own last night after the conversation. Um, yeah, you're talking about how I was frustrated with my lack of feeling and how, how to... Why don't I feel these things as strongly, I guess? It's, that's something that came up in the conversation. It wasn't my original uh, complaint, or, uh, or it wasn't the original, uh, I don't know, probe that got me going on this topic. Right. And my concern, though, was that I was telling you in the conversation, and I think, you know, we sort of agreed on this, that in your past, um, people would sort of be interested in the what, but not the why. And I went into the why from the sort of theory standpoint, which was valuable. But I'd last, like to ask a few more questions about the why of the initial feeling that prompted the letter, because the feeling that prompted the first email that you had was really, really powerful. And uh, I didn't ask real questions about that and not sort of, you know, shine a light bulb in your eyes and, you know, get the rubber hose out, but just some questions about, about the feeling itself. So would you mind, if you, if you don't mind, just reading me that, the bit of the email where you talk about the emotional reaction that you had about the donation? Uh, yeah, let me start up Firefox again. But again, that, that's what I was thinking about last night is it comes back to that strong feeling of being... Uh, ignored. Um, that is the, and and I understand I intellectually that that is a uh, a response to the fact that that was a need that was not met when I was a child. That I was essentially ignored. My interests, my responses to the world, my emotional reactions were, you know, just simply inconsequential to those around me, to those who were supposed to be helping me develop those those interests and those skills of you know, handling my emotions and my response to the world. And now I'm kind of expecting, well, the board or my wife or my child to meet that need, you know, don't ignore me, you know, and, and as much as that was a valid need when I was a child, now I, I certainly can't shift that obligation to anyone else. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure, for sure. It really does. It really does. But I think that what what I was talking about yesterday and, and towards the end of the listening to the podcast again, I sort of got annoyed at myself for being such a, what do we call it, big chatty forehead. But um, I think that it's going to be hard. Like to, to get something intellectually is one thing. To get it in your gut is another. And I think it's going to be hard to avoid the behavior that you describe unless you can get uh, the feeling back in your gut. That's sort of what I want to do you ask a little bit uh, about today. Okay, so I've got the uh, email out here. So, uh, after you invited Greg and Nate to a Skype chat, and then any others who want to join in, I said, I just crashed. The bottom fell out of my skull. I had a strong physiological response that I am able to partially grudge up right now. A surge of sensation down my limbs, increased heart rate, sweating, and I thought if I had not unlearned how to cry, I think I would cry now. 
And I said, as much as I wanted to sit with the emotions for a while, I had clients to see, and I was worried that I wouldn't be able to get myself together in time if I let those feelings flow freely. So you want me to go into more detail about what I was feeling there? Yeah, if you could tell me uh, a little bit more, like um, you gave a a physiological description, but if you could tell me just a little bit more about what, what the feelings were that were coming up for you in that moment. Uh, just, you know, am I invisible, I guess, is what I was feeling. I just feel like disregarded. Uh, what's the feeling? Um, disappointment. I mean, I, I think part of it was that I was on such a little bit of a high right before that um, in that I was really enjoying the conversation that was going on with uh, the four of us. And then there was just like, the rug pulled out from under me when it was like, let's go talk about this ourselves. Oh, and anyone else, you know, like your contribution was not that important, Jason. We don't need to specifically invite you. So I just felt... But if I, you yeah, want to tag along, that's okay. Ignored. Right? Yeah, exactly. Anybody else, you know, uh, whoever might be here. So um, that's what really, you know, that's what I really responded to. Gavin, I'm terrible at defining what my feelings are, am I not? No, I think that you're coming up with some very big words for it, just as I did yesterday, so I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, generally, there are these sort of four feelings that, that float around, sort of mad, sad, bad, and glad. Mad, sorry, mad, sad, glad, and scared. Mad, sad, glad, and scared. So without wanting to get to a totally primitive cave rock painting scenario in terms of looking at the feelings, where would you categorize what you felt uh, physiologically? I, sadness. Sadness um, is, yeah, this very sad, <laughs> very low. Um, I can't say, and then, of course, fear at the response of, of how strong that response was. It's like, what the hell is going on? So that was, you know, number two, I guess. But, um, yeah, sad would be the one out of that big cluster of four. And if you can tell me a little bit more about that sad feeling, um just sort of how it how it sort of felt deep down that would be helpful. I guess just alone loneliness isolation. Um, you know, just feeling like you're reaching out for someone or wanting something from someone, and they're just saying, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, no." And it's this is something you need, but you don't get it, and it just ah, uh, you know, what am I going to do without it? that kind of empty sadness. And what were the thoughts that occurred? And, and th- this is really hard to, this is like quicksilver. This is like trying to see something out of the corner of your eye sometimes. What, what were the thoughts that occurred mm-hmm. right before the feeling of sadness hit? Gosh, that's really hard. Um, well, I think there was a little little anger I mean there was there was a like what the fuck <laughs> am I you know did he not see those posts I don't know something like that you're right this is hard to see <laughs> it, it is look I mean you're doing great and I hope that this is going to be helpful I'm sure it will be but so when you feel that you've contributed and uh, and you had and then uh, I say I'm going to go over here with these few people, and if anyone else wants to tag along, then you feel anger, which is something something around, I've contributed, and I think the only reason that anger would occur, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, is that you feel like, I know, like Steph, I, Steph, know that you have contributed, and I'm rejecting you, not despite having contributed, but almost as a specific rejection of your contribution, right? Like, you had to take it personally in that way. Does that make sense? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. There there was that initial you know, flush that, like, <laughs> what the hell are you doing? I mean, did you not... I know you saw what I wrote, and I'm saying... And there was... Actually, there was another post in there where I specifically addressed you, and you had not addressed it, I guess. Hey, I, I remember that, so it must have been important. Um, that, yeah, so I guess it, it felt a little more personal than, than I was willing to admit. 
yeah, well, sure. I mean, for certain, it, it hit something in you that was ready for that, right? We all have a kind of uh, in cognitive therapy they're called uh, core beliefs about ourselves, right? So if you're striving to contribute, you are contributing reasonably and justly so. And then somebody doesn't just ignore you, right? Because if we're ignored, unless it's conscious, it doesn't generally tend to make us angry, right? Like when I'm reading on the bus, I'm ignoring everyone on the bus, right? It's not personal, right? <laughs> I'm not sort of, but, but when, when somebody uh, says to me, do you have the time and I don't look up, then I'm specifically ignoring someone and I'm aware that I'm, like I'm rejecting them, if that sort of makes sense. Yes, exactly. And that's, that is definitely what I felt. I mean, I felt like I'd been, you know, in that particular conversation, you know, I'd been in it the whole way. And then, yeah, it was just utter, like, wow, he's like specifically disregarding me. Um, that's what it felt like. So it felt like a, um, a sort of, uh, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, so just tell me whether this resonates. I just want to make sure that I, I really get the feeling that I was aware that you were contributing and I was specifically excluding you uh, in a, you could say, passive-aggressive or something like that, but I was specifically in your face kind of saying, well, I'm not going to name you as contributing, although I know you have, so it's it's not just ignoring you, it is it is in a really nasty way rejecting your contribution and trying to put you down, does that? Or, or consistent? Yes, it's certain, right? Yeah, I, would, I mean... That absolutely was the feeling in that moment. You know, I didn't, of course, you know, I, I immediately started thinking of possible excuses for you, which, of course, is my habit. Um, but, yeah, that's what I, you know, that's what I felt. That's what clearly triggered the strong emotion. It was, I mean, I can have that same feeling um, when I know my wife is specifically ignoring me, when I'm standing right there asking her to repeat something and she's frustrated because I'm half deaf and, you know, she, oh, what? I got to repeat myself again? You know, that kind of, where you know it's very deliberate. Right, right. Okay, so let's, let's, I mean, this is, this is tricky. So we'll try and freeze time at that moment where I said, hey, let's come over here, everybody, except Jason, and have a great time. Right, so what if, like, <laughs> I mean, I know it sounds silly, but I mean, this is what was really going on for you and it's really important. Mm -hmm. If we can freeze time just in the moment that you saw that response, what feelings did you have about yourself when that occurred? That, you know, I'm saying something that matters here, you know, that this is worthwhile. I want to be having this discussion. I want to, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm contributing, damn it. Um, what I have to say is valuable and uh, you're ignoring me. I don't know. That's what I can get to. So if you could have, and let, let's pretend that uh, everything that you felt in that moment about me was totally just, right? So let's just, just totally pretend, right? that everything that you felt was totally just, and you had a completely safe environment to say exactly how you felt towards me at that moment, what would you have said? It's like, well, I would say, what the hell was that, Steph? <laughs> why, are you, uh, why are you ignoring me? Why are you just blowing me off like that? No, that you're asking me a question there. If you got to tell me everything that, that you felt about that, right? So you're asking me to justify my actions and so on. But you had feelings that were around the conclusions about what I, oh, had, okay. what I had done, right? So if you got to tell me off in that moment, and, and I had done exactly what you had thought or, or felt, what would you have said? You're really pissing me off. <laughs> um, I, I probably would have called you a name. <laughs> um, now, now, I'm sorry, yeah, and I started I'm, pestering on you I'm really pissed off. I'm really uh, just, I'm gonna just back you up for a second, because you're you're still talking about it and then you follow it up with a laugh, right? But I'm really serious about this, right? Yeah. Try, yeah. You're, try you're, you're trying to get me in there. Call me names. I've got no problem with that. I mean, I'm not gonna take it personally, but try it 
like really seriously because it was so serious for you that you felt that the bottom was falling out of your skull. That's serious stuff, right? So try it like uh, um, without a laugh. Just just say the stuff that that gave you that feeling, that provoked that dizziness, that provoked that feeling of of anger and and all of that. And just say that because that's that's the truth about what your emotional experience was, right? Yeah, it's like, hey, asshole, come back here. I'm talking. You know, don't ignore me. I. That's what I can. I mean, God, knock it off. I'm right here. I'm talking about the same stuff you're talking about. I'm not off. You know, I. I'm not nuts. Just listen to me. Okay, so when you say to somebody. I'm not nuts. What's underneath that? Okay. Ah, what's underneath that? Am I... Boy. What's underneath that? I don't know. You, I can't, I every time I try to do it, I keep coming back to uh, you know how I how I'm being treated, um, like I'm invisible, like I'm not there. Right. And how do you feel about yourself in that moment where you feel invisible, uh, rejected, uh, ignored, excluded? How do you feel about yourself in that moment? Uh, just like I'm non-existent. I, like I'm not there. Or, or I'm certainly questioning whether I'm there. That I'm, I'm, you know, worthless or something. Worthless or not there at all to even, you know, be judged worthless. Right, right. Because the feeling that I got from the email that you sent to me was as if somebody had the power to erase you. Mm-hmm. Which is a terrifying power to be around, yeah. right? That somebody had the power to erase you, which also means to reject—I mean, to reject everything that you're putting forward, right? And specifically, not to ignore you like mm-hmm. I ignore people on the bus, but to specifically reject you, which has the power of erasure. Because when you said like the bottom was falling out yeah. of my skull and so on, it, it's almost like somebody was was pushing you off a cliff. Is that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there was a, just a total, you know, feeling of, of destruction, of crushing, you know, just being squashed out of existence. Right, right, right. Which, which of course, is because the feeling of being rejected is going to provoke the feeling of worthlessness, and it's also going to provoke the feeling of anger, right? Because how do you feel about someone who specifically works to make you feel worthless and non-existent? You don't feel very kind towards them. You don't feel good about that. Anger. Rage. And can you think of any other situations in the present? You mentioned one with your wife. But can you think of other situations where either you're in a situation where that anger, uh, the worthlessness and the anger occur, or situations where you avoid the provocation of those feelings? Hmm. Again, this just goes back to when I I know that I can get you know, I can have these violent outbursts of rage. Um, I wouldn't say the road rage is I can I mean it's not really road rage, but it's you know, that flare up of fuck you asshole where again feeling like I'm personally being disregarded. I don't know, maybe I do am feeling that that is uh, an erasure aspect as well. Um, but no, right now I've been <laughs> removing so many uh, you know, personal interactions from my life that you know, as I, my wife would be the one that you know, I would be most likely to avoid 
going into anything like that with. Boy, I'm using a specific language at this moment. <laughs> okay, now let, let me ask you something, uh, if you don't mind. Um, I, I would, I'd like to ask you about your wife, but I don't know if that's appropriate, so you can let me know. But uh, let me ask you something else, if you don't mind. Let's say that uh, yeah, I, in somebody else's mind, you really are worthless, right? So somebody's uh, in the room with you, uh, and maybe they know you, maybe they don't, or whatever, right? But somebody truly thinks that you are worthless, right? And, and if that is true, that they feel that, what is your emotional response to that? Like I, I don't care. Who are you? I mean, I, I don't. Does that matter to me? I don't think it matters to me. I mean, so if, if this somebody is just any old person. So if somebody uh, thinks that you're worthless, because because on the road that's an that's an example, right? So if somebody cuts you off yeah. in a car, I don't know whatever it is that provokes you, then clearly they're not viewing you as being worth that much, right? As they're just cutting you off and they're going to drive. They think that, and you want to say to them. Yeah, I do get angry. And you, the reason that you want you get angry is that you want to say to them, "I'm not worthless. Damn it, I'm not yeah. worthless. I'm, I'm not worthless. I'm right here. Don't disregard me. Don't ignore me. I'm, I'm valuable. Right now." What's underneath a vehement statement that says, I'm not worthless? Of questioning your own worth. I think a little more than questioning. <laughs> uh, denying? Well, if I vociferously say to someone, I'm not stupid, damn it, I'm not stupid, I'm not stupid, I'm not stupid out of nowhere. Let's just say I'm on the bus and I turn to the guy next to me and say, I'm not stupid. <laughs> right? What's the thought that's generated that? I'm stupid. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So the problem, well, you can tell me. Uh, I, yeah, I, the problem is I don't value myself. I, I still lack self-worth or self-esteem. In certain situations, and you you don't want to define yourself completely like that, but you no. were uh, told implicitly and explicitly in your childhood, you're worthless, right? Which is yes. Clearly, you don't say to somebody you're worthless if they're genuinely worthless. Like you don't walk up and down a cemetery pointing at gravestones and saying you're dead, you're dead, you're <laughs> dead, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead. You all over there are dead. You all the people in the mausoleum totally dead, right? You guy being buried dead. Uh, totally, right? You don't, because it's just a fact. That the, you don't have to say it, right? Like, as I said before, I don't think Tom Hanks comes up to you and says, you know, I'm a really great actor. I think I'm a really great actor. I got two Oscars. I think I'm a really great actor. Because right? he just is, right? So you don't have to say it, right? <laughs> so here we have yeah, two, exactly. two parallel reverse situations, right? You don't say to somebody, you're worthless, if they are actually worthless. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes some sense. Because if I say to you, Jason, you're worthless, I have to believe that that's going to hurt you because you don't want to be worthless. You want to have self-esteem, you want to have pride, you want to be taken seriously, you want to be listened to, all of which indicates that you don't think that you're worthless. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Wait, say that again, actually. I'll take a parallel example. If I say to a kid, you're bad. If the kid is really bad, they're not going to care. If I try and hurt a kid by saying, you're a bad kid, that's only going to hurt that kid if the kid wants to be a good kid. Wants to be approved of, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Which is, okay. which is good, right? Yes. So if I say to you, you're worthless... It's only going to hurt you. You know it hurts. Yeah, because you're not worthless. Right? And it's only going to... The more that you think you're worth something, the more being called worthless is going to hurt. Yeah. 
So these strong feelings that I'm having about, you know, these interpreting actions as being told I'm worthless, these strong feelings of feeling worthless are are indicative of of finding self-worth? Well, if you're told that you're worthless by your mom, let's just pick someone randomly. (laughs) If you're told that you're worthless by your mom, (laughs) Right. I mean, just out of any bit, six billion people in the world, let's just say, throw the dart over the fence and hit your mom. <laughs> if you're told repeatedly that you're worthless and you're not worthless, right? If, if you were worthless, and let's just equate for the moment being a total sociopath with being worthless, then you wouldn't care if you were called worthless because you'd have no conscience, you'd have no emotional depth, you'd, right? You wouldn't care. Like if I say to a kid, you're totally insensitive. If the kid is totally insensitive, that's not going to hurt him. I'm only going to say that to a kid to hurt him if the kid is sensitive. Yeah. Right, so you know, and we said this uh, at the beginning of yesterday's chat, you know that you have an enormous amount of intelligence and curiosity and and, uh, depth to bring to the table. We said that yesterday at the beginning of your conversation about your family. Right, so mm-hmm. our parents will, if they're bad, right, they will zero in on our greatest treasure, the thing which is most valuable about us, the thing which can give us the most pride in ourselves. And they will attack that. Because right? she could have called you any name, any number of names in the book, right? Mm-hmm. So she picked, you're worthless, because that's very important to you to be worth something, because you know that you are, deep down, like way deep down, way below what your mom did to you. You know you're worth a lot, right? Yeah, I do. But your mom layers over, you're worthless on top of that. And then you layer over anger about being told you're worthless on top of that, right? So there's the defense, which is the top layer. Think of this as like a nice cake. <laughs> there's the defense, yeah. which is like the I mean, This is false self. Yeah, the defense which says, I'm not worthless, damn it, I'm angry at you. Underneath that is, you know, maybe I'm worthless. Maybe she's on to me. Maybe she's got my number. She's my mama. Roll, right? She knows and then below that is I'm worth an, an enormous amount. That's a big, deep cake. <laughs> it is. It is deep cake, right? But, but you know down. that it's a deep cake because of your emotional reaction, right? Yeah. Yeah. That it's not as simple as, uh, you know, scrape off one one set of emotions, and then, oh, there's the nice center, and there's the, the truth, or... or now, it wasn't your mom's, sorry to interrupt, it wasn't your mom's words. She didn't walk around, she didn't give you a, t- a t-shirt saying that, you know, my mom went to Florida, and she came back and told me I was worthless. She didn't sort of say no. it over and over again. It was through actions uh, that, that you were told that you were worthless. Is that correct? Well, I, you know, again, I'm going to be... I guess I'm going to be defensive of her at the moment, but I mean, the the way it was done that I was worthless was that she just did all the plans for me. I wasn't consulted. My interests were never explored. So I was worthless by default, that my worth was only as a tool for her. She was going to make me... I was worthless, and she was going to make me valuable by meeting her plan or her needs. That makes sense. Right, right. So you were, as we talked about yesterday, you were only assigned value to the degree that you served her narcissistic need for approval by others, right, and so on. Yeah, exactly. So uh, nobody sort of came and said to you, you're worthless. A they fair way of saying you're worthless? Sorry, go ahead. 
Well, no, no one else, no one came right out and said you're worthless. As a matter of fact, there was you know tons of of the empty praise that you know that lets you say that unless I'm doing, unless I'm meeting your vision of me, I am worthless. And so, and yet I know that I'm worthless by just you know, meeting your needs. Got on that. All right. No, that's that's great. And look, I really do appreciate you hanging in there. I know this is a. It seems like we're just making him thicker and thicker, Gordy, or not. But there is something clear and simpler at the end of it. Let's say that we we all have a nightmare scenario that provokes our defenses, right? And the nightmare scenario is whatever the worst thing is that can happen to us, right? Let's just say for the moment, let's let's create this alternate universe wherein you are worthless. What does that mean, right? Because I say, we are these mythologies, right? So you have this, this ogre, this demon within you called worthlessness, right? Which you fight or you re- retreat from or you attack, but it's, you know, it's a tussle, to say the least, right? You're in a permanent wrestle with this question of worthlessness. But what does being called worthless or actually being worthless, what does that mean? What is, what is on the other side of you just saying, I am worthless, I don't know, just being an, uh, being worthless would just be an utter a leech. I guess what I would just say is evil. Um, someone that is, uh, provides no value to anyone or anything, that is just a, uh, uh, sucks everyone's, you know, life away from them. Uh, yeah, that's a excellent question. What does, what does it mean to be worthless? Um, it's different from just being dead, or maybe it is just, you know, a dead person. A dead person's worthless. Uh, but you want me to be in an alternative universe where I'm alive, so... Um, that would be helpful, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but let's stay with dead. I don't mind if we stay with dead, because dead can have a lot of ramifications, right? A lot of emotional ramifications. Yeah. But... Let's say, because what you gave as a definition, I don't think is... I mean, the term almost doesn't make any sense. Well, you're saying that worthless is is negative, right? But uh, there's a difference between, you know, I was sort of thinking, like, when somebody says to you, Jason, you're worthless, it's like they're stealing your money. Whereas just acting as if you're worthless is like the government inflating the money supply is causing your money to become worthless. But what you gave as a definition of worthless seemed more malevolent and negative than that. Does that make sense? Like if worthless yeah. is like like if you have a Roman yeah, yeah, if you have a Roman coin or some you know you get a slug uh, instead of a, a quarter, it's worthless. But it's not exactly that it's negative. I mean, sure you've lost a quarter or whatever, but worthless doesn't mean negative, right? No, except. Just if I if I am alive, I guess people are going to feel obligated to, I don't know, keep me alive. Uh, I guess that's what I was trying to get there in the sense that I would just be a, a drain on on other people's resources. Ah, but you see again, and I'm just I don't that mean to pass sense. you, but that doesn't logically follow because if you're truly worthless, nobody's going to bother keeping you alive. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true, unless yeah. So, so yeah. What does the word worthless even mean in this, uh, in, in the sense of a, a living human? Yeah, if it were true about you, what would that mean about you? That I was dead. I, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. Uh, erasure, non-existent, um, not there. Now, that, that, those two are very different, right? Dead, you're beyond suffering. If you're alive, but have no existence, that's like more like being a ghost than being dead, like a restless spirit or, or something. Yeah. Again, use mystical terms, but those two are very different, I think, right? One is, one is almost like hell, and the yeah. other is just like the atheist view of death, which is just non-existence. No suffering, no, right? You sleep yeah. without dreaming, yeah. and so on. But there's a, to me, there's a peculiar kind of horror involved in non-existence for you that is more like the horror of 
hell for a Catholic or something like that, if that makes sense. There's a, there's a real kind of existential horror to worthlessness that does not, that, that's much worse than death, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's the there and not there at the same time. I mean, it's, uh, it's the invisibility. But invisibility doesn't Lack have of being negative connotation, right? I mean, invisibility could be fun. No. Yeah, it could be useful, but no, this is more. Uh, whew, I don't know. You're there to be taken from, but not. Uh, I don't know. Not acknowledged or. An image just popped into my mind, and again, I'm, I'm just trying to. I'll throw it in there, see if it helps, right? The image that I got into my mind when you talked about worthlessness and this existential horror was something like this. That you are thrown into a dungeon and you are forgotten and you will not die. Just, uh, yeah, endless isolation. Just, yeah, endless loneliness and uh, I mean that, that's a that's a cruel kind of suffering right there well it's the worst right it's worse than being tortured and killed to be thrown into a dungeon to have like you're thrown into a dungeon the ground is walled over everyone who knows about you is killed you're in the dungeon you can't see anything you will never be free you will never get a drink you will never get any food and you will never die yeah that's uh, quite suffocating right there to think about And that is not a fear that you have about the future, right? The, the problem is when we're defended, and there's absolutely no reason why you wouldn't be defended in this area, right? The defenses that we're talking about here are perfectly and magnificently healthy. But you think that they're about the future, right? That I have to make sure that nobody thinks that I'm worthless because this terrible punishment may occur to me in the future, which is not true. This terrible punishment of which we speak is not going to occur in the future. There's a reason that you know it so well already. Because it happened. Because that is the reality of my, my childhood. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's why I... You know, the, the terminology I've always... You know, I just, the word dissociated. I mean, just to me, I, when I look back on my childhood... I feel like I was dissociated from the moment I am aware of memories. Right. I and I'm sure that you were. Connected to anyone. I was not connected to anyone. Uh, and barely to my world. Right. And I'm sure, I'm sure that you know that there's a part of you that is still in this dungeon. And only you know the location and only you have the key. Where did they put the key? <laughs> well, one of the reasons that you lost the key, which is perfectly natural, is that you're fighting this like it's in the future. Like you're afraid of this happening in the future, which is not the case. The fear, the, 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 uh, the dizziness that you experienced, right, which comes right after the high, which is great, right? The high is the ego strength building up, which means that you can handle the dizziness of the remembering. Because what was happening was... You felt that I was pushing you into a dungeon and throwing away the key. Like this was happening in the present, yeah. could happen in the future. But it was reminding me that this is what happened in the past. And that there's still... Yeah, I, I feel like I've known this. What is it, what's the difference between knowing this? I've known that I've been, I was uh, disconnected and not a part of everything going on around me. Um, what's the difference between knowing that intellectually and having that alter, you know, I don't get that response under control, not control, but, you know, just respond appropriately. Right, right. Well, what I sort of get a sense now, what I sort of feel, is I'm feeling a great deal of sadness 
at the moment, which I think is something that is maybe coming coming out within you? Well, and yeah, this is the yeah the san. Uh, well, the, what I was even writing in the email before to you was, you know, how do I at this age figure out what my real interests are, what I really enjoy? How do I know that? Because I. I missed all of those years of actually getting to explore and decide what those are. I had everything. Yeah, I, I've lost 20 years of connection to the world, or 18, or however many. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of time lost. Right, and this is part of the complicated nature of the word worthless to you, right? Because worthless also means I cannot assign worth, which also means how do I make decisions? Yeah, I've always been very, uh, very indecisive. Although I've I felt that improving actually recently. Sure, and and that's why you're able to do this, right? Because you're growing stronger. But if you think about if you think about a child in a night black dungeon for twenty years, like just imagine that you read this in the newspaper that a child had been trapped in a black dungeon for 20 years, wouldn't you feel the most awful kind of sympathy? Yeah, I mean, just acute horror. I, you know... Yeah, I mean, I see this you know, every day in my job. You know, the, these children that are just living in in terrible situations, and yeah, that's what I was in. I mean, I not allowed myself to realize that because it, it looked so relatively decent on the outside, but yeah, that I was as yeah, utterly alone, utterly isolated. Right, right, and of course, if you can imagine your daughter ending up in this kind of fate of being in a dungeon for 20 years, being put in there and having the key thrown away. I mean, the, the the pain that is associated with that deep down is almost unbearable, right? I mean, that, that thought. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's insane to think about. And yet not, right? Because this is your experience. And the fact is that your prison was a little bit more like the Matrix, right? And that compassion... Yeah, I mean, it, it looked like a normal world. Right, right. And that compassion that you would have... I mean, this is the amazing thing about, about us, right? I mean, all of us. If we were to read about a child trapped in a dungeon for 20 years in Ceylon or Sri Lanka or whatever, right? Somewhere, right? You'd be like, oh my God, that is beyond horrifying. And it would give you a chill. And you would feel an enormous amount of sympathy. And you might even donate some money or whatever. But the amazing or, thing... Sorry, go ahead. Demand. I'm sorry? Or demand some sort of intervention of some sort, yes, exactly. Right, right. But the amazing thing is that when we look inside, you know, to the, to the child that we were that was trapped in a dungeon, it is very hard, it is very hard to connect with the same level of sympathy that we would have for a stranger. Yeah, it's all still very abstract. I mean, just to say that I'm, you know, feeling that same thing for myself that I would for, you know, my daughter or even just some stranger in the in the news. Um, yeah, it's hard to pull up that same feeling to see that same kid, to see myself receiving that same thing. I mean, I've, I've spent so many years like you say, defending it or uh, justifying it for my own survival. Right, right. Now, there are a couple of tricks, and <laughs> I don't mean circus tricks, but, but things that you can do. Obviously, you know, therapy is, is the best way to do this in the long run, but um, I think that one of the great ways to... I mean, 
you don't have to pull these feelings up, right? I mean, you were very surprised by the feeling that arose in you when you wrote me that email, right? This wasn't a feeling that you pulled up. This is a feeling that kind of pushed you over in, in a sense, right? Oh, yeah. It just right out of the blue. I mean, I wrote that email, you know, five days later, but I mean, that, that feeling was intense and, uh, yeah, uh, completely <laughs> right. not controlled consciousness. And for me, at least, the best way to, to, that I was able to find absent of therapy to start working on this stuff was you have to start disrupting your defenses. You have to start disrupting your defenses because the defenses are what keeps this carved channel of dissociation. The defenses are there to avoid pain, right? The pain is essential for freedom, right? You've got to really not want to be in the jail cell to get out of the jail cell, right? So the pain and the horror are essential to free yourself from the path you can finally sort of own your life in, in a way that is productive and positive. But the defenses keep the pain at bay. They keep the, the pain away. And so you have to disrupt the defenses. And what that means is, I would suggest, that uh, you can just, what you would formally avoid, you have to embrace. Right? So when you would uh, get angry at somebody who would make you feel that you're worthless, if you can intercept the thought that provokes the anger and challenge that thought, if you would normally avoid situations where you would feel vulnerable and open to rejection, I would, if I were you, embrace those situations, right? So if you're at a party, just go and talk to some strangers or whatever, right? Chat with people on the bus. I don't know what it is, right? But, but the first thing that you can do is to change the habits that you have in dealing with this central existential horror that you have around this question of worth, worth and worthlessness. If you change your behavior, it will begin to disrupt the defenses and give you the opportunity to see what's behind the defenses, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, I've, I've you know, to some degree been, had been trying that with, with the rage issue about um, you know, at least figuring out, you know, trying to at least give myself a, a moment to, to feel it instead of feel the rage, squash the rage, move on um, to at least um, yeah, sit and try to figure out what am I raging against or what, it, what is that But um, all the other defenses I'm much less aware of I'm sure right, right, well what's behind rage is always tears in my experience, I mean you can certainly find what's behind rage is like the reason we get so angry is because we're terrified that whatever we're being accused of is true, right, so you get angry in a road rage situation because you think that you are worthless and that's the worst thing in the world, right? So the person who's treating you as if you're, as if they're throwing you in prison, right? And throwing away the key. So of course you're going to get angry, right? So uh, if you say, I mean, yeah, okay, maybe I am worthless. Like if you take the existential horror out of the word and the attitude, these are just ways of, of dismantling the, the defense. Um, but again, I mean, if you can have some therapy, that's the best way to do it because you can do it more, right? As I've said before, the problems that are created through solitude cannot be solved through solitude. Right? You can only solve dissociation, alienation, and isolation through connection with, uh, with other people. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you. So I, I appreciate that. I'm glad that we got a chance to chat again because um, I definitely didn't want to leave it all all theory because uh, it's not like you're not smart enough to figure all that stuff out for yourself intellectually, but I wasn't sure that that was exactly what was the most helpful. Well, yeah, again, um, some of this stuff, even intellectually, is obviously very challenging, and uh, but yeah, the, the move, removing it, I'm sorry, moving it to the real world, moving it to actual practices, uh, that's a big step. And, uh, and uh, how, do you, how do you feel now? Um, I'm a little sad. I'm, I'm feeling a little sad. Um, just, I don't know. I'm, I'm just wanting to go and think right now about this and, uh, um, I don't know, concerned, I guess is what I have now. Well, all of that makes perfect sense it's to not, me. Not glad or mad. <laughs> Right, right. Strike two off the list. Strike two off the list. And uh, just just so I understand, I certainly understand the sadness. I certainly understand the desire to think about it. I don't want to interfere with that, of course. It's all perfectly uh, justified Mm -hmm. and valid. 
Uh, but you said that you felt concerned. Can you just tell me about that? Uh, just, uh, you know, um, how I go about doing this. You know, I mean, right now I've got, you know, financial stresses going on with a, I've recently taken over a private practice, and so there's just a lot of changes going on in my life where I had to, you know, cut out the therapy and focus on this for a bit. But, um, you know, Sometimes there's just a little self-doubt. Like, am I gonna am I gonna take the time to work on this because it's really necessary? I would. I mean, obviously, you know, you know this, right? That, that this is the most important thing because this is around happiness, and this is also about making sure. And I'm, you know, I know, I absolutely have no doubt that you're completely and totally committed to being the best father on the planet, and I'm sure that you will win that award as well. But uh, it certainly will be uh, will be helped along. <laughs> Uh, through the question. Now, you might want to try, uh, there's a book by Charles uh, Whitfield called Healing the Child Within. Um, obviously, you want to get um, a Tom Clancy cover and paste it on the outside, you know, because, you, or, you know, <laughs> Howard or you know, something like that. Some some macho, I think, in Italy's war book. Um, but to give that a shot, that may be something that uh, that will help sensitize you. To What's this. the author's last name? Uh, Whitfield, Whit, uh, W-H-I-T, uh, F-I-T-L-D. Got it. And you can also get a market. Yeah, I'll take a look at that. Your book, which has uh, gunfire interspersed with it, which uh, should help. Just kidding. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> well, thank you, Steph. Um, yeah, this is going to be a lot of stuff to, you know, this will make my uh, alone time more productive, I hope. I'm certainly glad for that, and I do appreciate it. Uh, you taking the time to uh, to have a, cha- a genuine book. There's a companion book to that, uh, Healing the Child, then called Gift to Myself. That uh, It's the workbook. Because, you know, you're an intelligent, analytical, verbally skilled individual, so you can read that book and go, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But there's also a companion book, which is a, a workshop, right? So it's a workbook, so you actually have to sort of complete uh, questions and answer things and, and, and create logs and, and so on. Uh, I've, I've gone through that uh, in a similar book, and I just I found it enormously helpful to sort of engage in that process because um, we need to be active in our own healing, right, in this kind of disaster past that most of us have and this makes it more engaged from your standpoint so it's a little less passive it's uh, very helpful Yeah, I've been having a strong desire to to just write, you know, elements of my history when I remember them, I've been having that strong urge but I've also you know, also just felt I was just kind of core dumping, it would be very helpful to have something, you know how should I you know, what are some productive ways to be looking at this? What are some, you know, focused questions, just like what you're asking now, which... Um, yeah, and it does tend to, to accelerate the therapy. Very hard to answer. It's good. Well, thanks again. I really do appreciate yeah, so. it. Uh, I'll post this not in general, but so you can have a listen to it if you like and let me know what you think, but I certainly think this may be helpful. I sort of wanted to get uh, the, the community a little bit more towards uh, some of the emotional stuff that, uh, that we've talked about in a pretty abstract way, but I certainly do appreciate you taking the time for this. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to delve into my skull here. <laughs> no problem. Uh, have yourself a great, great weekend, and I'll focus in. All right. Thank you, Steph. You too. Bye bye.